Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Kids, do you like wrestling? We like wrestling too. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins along with Chris Novembrino. Hi, Chris. They call me a professional wrestling enthusiast, Jeffrey. Are you enthusiastic? I <laughs> am here. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see how enthusiastic we are by the end of the show. Lots of news, big extended news segment. Let's get to it. Top story. You know, if there's ever a nuclear war, they say that cockroaches will be the only survivors. Well, Jeff Jarrett's going to get a paycheck. That's all, that's the only the other thing that, that you can tell. Jeff Jarrett is your new vice president of live events and business development for one all elite wrestling as announced on Wednesday night after his surprise debut, bringing back the last gunfighter character from his GCW days. Uh, behind the scenes, Jared's role is to both help AEW when it comes to international business. I guess you could call it a global force, as well as possibly house shows. He'll be working with our friend Chris Harrington and others in that role. Is this a good hire for them, Chris? I don't know, because I feel like we never really actually hear about Jeff Jarrett's job performance at any of these jobs recently. He just comes in, does them for a bit, departs, and we never hear, did he do a good job or did he do a bad job? We just hear that he had the job and now he no longer has the job. And it's yeah, there's a lot not, of t- doesn't yeah. seem like there's acrimony, but there does seem to be a lot of turnover. Yeah, there's a lot of towing this line, and there's a few guys in this department, like Arn Anderson, I consider one of those two, where you never really hear. You know, you hear he's been working with people and helping to agent things, but you never really hear about his job performance day-to-day, as opposed to, say, Michael P.S. Hayes, who gets in a lot of trouble and stuff. Uh, it's it's another interesting move behind the, the Jericho uh, promotion and also the, the Moxley thing of getting more people who have more quote-unquote for lack of a better term corporate experience in the big fed 
to be sounding blocks for him and I, I for Tony Khan. And I think that's that's the interesting direction that they're going here is more corporate. Now, the other thing that kind of I guess I guess to get back to your point here, right? The thing where maybe this does have utility is that Jarrett fairly recently was in WWE's offices. And doing live and, events for them. Right. And so he probably does, if he shares it in a reliable way, have information to offer that would be of utility to Khan. Now, is that utility that you give a job to or utility that you pay for a consulting fee and make a couple of phone calls and get all the information to move on? That, to me, is the real question. Yeah, and also how much is is Jeff Jarrett's ego going to want to be on camera? Because that's a major part, I think. And, and when Jeff Jarrett comes in, he always has some role on camera before going backstage. And uh, look, I love, I like Jeff Jarrett. Rob McCarron, former host of this show, that's his favorite wrestler. But Jeff Jarrett's never cut. I mean, Jeff Jarrett's had some very funny skits, like the MMA one in, in Impact, TNA, whatever it was, hilarious. But he's never cut a promo. I mean, let's put it this way. The promo you saw this week on AEW is the same promo he's cut everywhere else. Yeah, he's had slap nuts for what? Since 1998 now? Since 1998. And I laugh at slap nuts. Don't get me wrong. I find that funny. But, uh, you know, my family's been in this industry for years, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I find the possibility of house shows for AEW interesting when they're barely selling out 4,000 seat arenas. Right. That, I, yeah. yeah. I, 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 that feels like a, a risk not worth taking. I, I, is it, it, would it be lucrative to draw house shows of 500 ish? Oh yeah. I think it'd be a little bit more, but it's one of those things where it's just, but at the same time, like maybe let, a thousand, get, but, but get, man, dude, like it's, we're talking about like essentially the equivalent of like AE dark L or AEW dark elevation or something yes. like that. I, yes. I, I, I just don't know. I know, I know AEW fans like AEW a lot, but like you could say that about WWE like stands. They love WWE. They don't all show up to house shows. The, yeah, and the house shows for the most part are are to towns that don't uh, don't get TV tapings of any kind or TV live events like Raw, SmackDown, or pay per views. AEW, I mean, you already have this rampage, which is a mess. Number one, number two, hardly anybody watches it. Are you going to get more money from super cards where no titles will probably change? Right. And, I, and what I towns mean, do you hit? Yeah. Right. And, and and then who are you really featuring? And to me, the only potential people to feature would be like your Brian Danielsons, or of course now, he who shall not be named on AEW television. Like if you were going to do a house show circuit, having someone like CM Punk would actually be of tremendous utility. And I don't think I don't think your stars want to work the road. I gotta be honest with I you. Don't, I, I don't. I don't think they do either. And so then it's like, what? We're gonna use Lee Moriarty to draw like crowds of a thousand? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have Darby versus Ethan Page at the top of the card, and it's like yeah, that's a good match. Don't get me wrong, but is that gonna is that gonna bring out two thousand people to a house show where nothing's gonna happen and everything happens on TV? Yeah, that that's an interesting. Uh, questionable but it hasn't happened yet so we'll put that in our back pocket wwe announced its third quarter financials on november 2nd with 304.6 million in revenue 
and 41.6 million in profits. Revenues solidly beat Wall Street expectations of 280.1 million, but profits were slightly below the expectations of 43.3 million. That's eh, just a slight miss. <laughs> Last year in the similar quarter, the revenues were 255.8 million, but profits were 43.48 million. Revenues were up 19.1% from the third quarter of last year, profits down 4.3%. The revenue increase was largely 15.4 million in contractual increases for distribution for Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, and another 14.6 million for production of other original programming, such as reality shows, the AEW stuff, etc as well as a combination of live gate merchandise and site free site fee paid by the city of Cardiff for the clash of the castle show, which as a live event did numbers almost identical to each night of WrestleMania in Dallas. Chris, any thoughts? I think these are very, very strong numbers for WWE considering the overlying market fundamentals right now. Uh, I actually think that this is a really good quarterly earnings. Report. Is it possibly a recession proof industry? It, it, it is interesting. Uh, I mean, you, you might consider something like going to see wrestling, maybe sort of like uh, one of these vice things that you, you think intuitively people would cut down on the vices during a recession. But in fact, during a recession, people actually put an increased premium on escapism and wrestling yeah. might actually be one of those things that falls into that category. Yeah, that's what time I was thinking. Will, yeah, time will tell with like Q1 and, or Q4 and Q1 here, but... I think that these are really nice quarterly earnings for that. Yeah, they're impressive. And and uh, yeah, there's more to this meeting, but the numbers themselves, this is possibly a dummy proof business right now, given that McMahon, I mean. Right, like these are like McMahon numbers too. Yeah. I, 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 it'll be interesting to see what these look like. Q4, I, I would tend to suspect, will actually look pretty good under the Hunter regime because like they've been doing good on ratings and stuff. I have to imagine attendance has been pretty good, like live shows and this, things of that nature. Uh, yeah, we'll see. More news from the Fed and TV deals. They have a deal with Netflix in Spanish for a 10-episode comedy series about an aspiring Mexican woman wrestler called Contra Le Cuerdos that will debut in the first quarter of 2023. They also have in production for eight-episode deal with Hulu, for a new reality series starring Montez Ford and Bianca Belair. And in Nigeria, a Tough Enough style show, which <laughs> that third one just made me go, is Nigeria a rich? <laughs> but then again, they found Mansoor in Saudi Arabia. So what the hell do I know? I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, hey, this country's government wants to give you money to do a show here. Okay. I I, uh, I don't knock the hustle, get paid, but uh, any thoughts on those deals? I think the Montez-Bianca show, look, it's going to be it's gonna be contrived and things like that, but they're very interesting people, and I think that might get over pretty big. I guess I'm going to have to do Except homework on the government of Nigeria, Jeff. That's my, <laughs> that's my thoughts uh, right now. I don't know a lot about Nigerian governmental history, but I suppose. Oh, Chris, you know that there's a lot of princes out there that have. I, 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 I'm aware of the princes who reach out to me, and, and I cannot wait to meet a couple of them because I just sent the checks, and I'm oh. really. Oh, no, yeah, we're, we're supposed to be taking a nice vacation here. I wish you had sent me a check. That would have been nice. Are I'm you a Nigerian sure. prince, too? I, I might be. Me and oh. Nana are tight. So. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, so I, I, I would, I don't know a lot. I, I just, if uh, the Nigerian government is as sus as the Saudi Arabian government, I think it's icky. And, and I guess Oh, it's worse. Nigeria is yeah, much yeah. worse because, because it, 
uh, you know, military strongmen take over that country about every eight months. So yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm calibrating that against leveraging the global oil supply. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a tricky balancing act. Uh, but yes, I I don't. I guess what I'm saying is, I don't think that WWE, given the financials we just looked over, actually really needs to be doing these blood money shows. And I would salute them if they would get away from them. Company also <laughs> talk well, Hawkins. The company also released that quote. Although the special committee investigation is now complete, the company has also received and may receive in the future regulatory investigative and enforcement inquiry subpoenas or demands arising from related to or in connection with the matters concerning the investigation into Vince McMahon. Professional costs resulting from the special committee's investigation have been significant and are expected to continue to be significant as we continue to incur litigation costs related to these regulatory investigative and enforcement inquiries, subpoenas, and demands. Although we believe that no significant business has been lost due to date, it is possible that a change in the perceptions of our business partners could occur as a result of the investigation. That's standard uh, cover-your-ass language. In addition, as a result of the investigation, certain operational changes, including without limitation personnel changes, have occurred and may continue to occur in the future. Any or all these impacts based on the findings of the investigation-related matters and the surrounding circumstances could exacerbate the other risks described herein and directly or indirectly have a material adverse effect on our operations and or financial performance. Now, this is partly interesting because they also noted Vince McMahon also has a controlling share of the stock. <laughs> right. So it's like, well, he's been removed from power, but he's also like a majority shareholder. So... Yes, uh, but the investigation is uh, over for now. Let's put it that way. And and how did it conclude? I, I guess I'm still I'm confused by all the business ease there. Uh, well, that's for stockholders. That uh, that's, oh, okay. ba that's basically that's basically cover your asses. Oh, hey, we might have some costs. There might be another lawsuit. Some other woman may come out of the woodwork and sue us. Just to let you know that it hasn't had an adverse effect on business yet, but it could in the future. That that's pretty much what that is. That's that's CYA stuff. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's interesting. I I I I just wonder what the final settlement thing is, and I'm now I'm starting to think it might creep upwards of like fifty million. Yeah, well, it's also Vince is no longer in the day to day operations, and John Laurinaitis is gone. That's part of it. A lot of this that, is yeah. Laurinaitis. Sure. Uh here's a, kind of what a bonehead move I think WWE is making. I'll see if Chris agrees. WWE also announced more of its 2023 WrestleMania schedule, which will be here in Los Angeles, California. It will be similar to last year, with the big change being that there will be a show called NXT Stand and Deliver that will take place on Saturday afternoon prior to WrestleMania at the Crypto.com Arena, formerly known as Staples Center. NXT hasn't run an arena that size in years. Actually, I think L.A. was the last time they did it for Survivor Series. How long do you think that building is going to keep being called the Crypto.com Arena? Like, until, like until, less than less than ten years? Like, like it's yeah, going to be a fairly quick arena. It's going to be less than ten because crypto is going under. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, no, uh, no, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, NXT <laughs> hasn't run an arena that size in years, and the Crypto.com <laughs> Arena is not that close to. <laughs> Easy is not that close to SoFi Stadium and it's Los Angeles traffic. <coughs> SmackDown and the Hall of Fame will be together again on Friday night, March 31st, in the same building, and Raw will be there on Monday. Now, here's the bonehead move, and and this this will come to you from somebody who lives in the city of Los Angeles and had to make their way down to SoFi Stadium for a big event. Traffic is ass. 
Traffic sucks getting into there for a big event. Of course, this was a Super Bowl, and there was no parking at the time. They'll be a little bit different. But the building to run NXT in would have been the Forum, which is where AEW is currently running shows, because the Forum is actually almost in walking distance from SoFi. And then you could just walk from the NXT show over there, but they have that big building mentality, and they're probably getting a good rate for running three nights in it. But this NXT, Chris, can't run anywhere close to what Staples' capacity would be. I mean, it, it was even tough with... Uh, I went and saw NXT War Games uh, Survivor Series weekend when I was down there, and it was it was full, but those were rabid fans, and this was NXT at its peak with the Undisputed Era and Ricochet and special guest star Kevin Owens and, and, and things like that. They're going to have to load this show up with main roster people in order to get a crowd that will even come close to filling a building because Braun Breaker and Roxanne Perez, as much as I love them, aren't going to be a draw. Well, you you forget about our boy Vaughn Wagner, <laughs> Mr. Dynamite, charisma. Uh, no, I I think that the running the Staples thing, you, you more just nailed it. They probably got a good deal on it. I think the hope here is that with so many WWE fans in town, if people are making this a destination trip, anyways, maybe we can get them into the NXT thing. Uh, maybe they'll offer a bundle deal to try to get people to. If they offered shuttles with police escorts from SoFi to, or from crypto.com to SoFi, maybe, but it's going to be impossible to go there in the morning and make your way down the 405 to Inglewood to be there in time for WrestleMania in a in like an hour and a half. It's going to be impossible. It, you're going to have a lot of angry people if, if they try that. So I don't know uh, all those people in town, they might just be going to night two of WrestleMania. Because they're not going to make night one without and, without and help. that and that seems kind of I mean given the nature of the the lack of heat on NXT right now that doesn't seem plausible to me so uh, yes I, I think that this is a bit of a boneheaded move. Forbidden Door has opened in WWE. Shinsuke Nakamura will take on the Great Muda at Budokan for Noah January first, twenty twenty three. I'm here for that, Chris. I really am. I think, I think, I think, look, uh, Muda is of the generation where as he was leaving WCW on his second stint, that's when Triple H was coming in. So there's a whole, gen and, and of course he was probably, I mean, when he was in the mid nineties in, in new Japan before he left for Noah, that's when Shinsuke was a young boy. So uh, I, I think he's going to be motivated for this show in Japan, I am, uh, I'm, I have that one marked down on my calendar. I'm definitely gonna watch that one. Yeah, no, I, I think this, this will be a really fun and exciting match. Uh, I mean, it's not gonna be like five star Muda classic. No, no. Turns about the no, but I just think like it will be a good story, well told by both parties. And then like two nights later, he's doing one with uh, Sting as part of the retirement tour. So that that's gonna be a fun few days in the beginning of January, uh, leading up to, of course. Uh, New Japan's big show the fourth. <clears throat> NXT cuts came down. One big surprise, the other's not to so shocking. Top lining, Bodie Hayward, recently of Andre Chase University. They alluded to him being missing on NXT this week. In addition, Sloan Jacobs, who was 19 and was in the women's breakout tournament last year, was cut. That's a bit surprising as well. Others, Erica Yan, 
Damaris Griffin, who were both on Level Up, I believe, and Rue Feng. Now, Bodie Hayward's interesting to me. But Bodie Hayward might be one of those cuts, and they do this a lot. Because I didn't think Bodie Hayward was that bad when I, when he was on television. But this might be something where he's behind the scenes thinking he's hot stuff, so they're going to test him to see how bad he wants it and then bring him back if he decides to pursue the indies. But, uh, yeah, it kind of uh, knocked me over that the flag bearer of Chase University, which is an over gimmick in full sale, was just outright cut. Yeah, I really don't think, given the nature that they cut him mid-angle, and it was, it, I mean, they just had no, that skit was so weird. Like, who will carry this flag? And then out comes Duke Hudson. And oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the Kool-Aid man. Yeah, yeah like, like, no. Um, And it was very clear they were going a different angle where, like, Duke and Bodie were going to, like, riff, riff with each other. And, like, there was going to be a riff. Maybe they'd become a tag team. Maybe they'd end up having, like, you know, a match. You know, so it, it, one of those sorts of things. One of those arcs. Um, I like Bodie. I think he, he did a really nice job with the character acting required for the Chase University thing. In terms of in-ring, I don't know that I saw enough of him one way or another to really have an opinion on his in-ring. Um, I did see that one comment from him about how I don't think that I need to do moonsaults or whatever. And... That just sort of sounded a little bit petulant, and I, I, I just don't. I, it doesn't strike me that like the trainers at WWE were like, "Hey, huge guy, do more moon salts." I mean, maybe, maybe, but and that, that maybe, that, that would but, be, but, no, but that would be an interesting question because like modern wrestling is all about the big spot as opposed to being a power guy who's on your feet. Like it, it it's funny because. Like I, I've listened to a lot of Arn Anderson podcasts and he's like, I never really did a drop kick. And now they're expecting these big guys to do drop kicks and other things. It might be expectations. Uh, that's a pretty good point. Uh, it might be, yeah, you know what? I, I hadn't heard that part of it. It might just, they might've viewed that as being difficult and yeah. being willing to do whatever <laughs> it took to get to the top. So they just cut him to see if he still had the fire We'll see. Sloane Jacobs is an interesting one too. She's not bad, but she's very, very young. And it's like one of those things where it's like, if she really wants this, she is still at 19 young enough to go to like a stardom or to a Japanese dojo and train for a couple of years or go to one of these trusted trainers in America and really have, you know, some, some, uh, you know, doing the things that say, and this is no slight on her, but say like an Anna J isn't doing. I mean, if she had stayed in WWE, she'd become the next Aaliyah slash Noof, I think, in terms of, okay, I'm doing all these drills, and now I'm trying to think of an entrance type thing. I think this might be, if she is, if she is down for wrestling, this might be the best thing that ever happened to her. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but yes, I, I think Noof is a real cautionary tale of, not taking a risk on yourself at some point. Yes. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, the XFL has announced its teams owned by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <coughs> the teams are the Arlington Renegades, the DC Defenders, the Houston Roughnecks, the Orlando Guardians, the San Antonio Brahmas, the Seattle Sea Dragons, the St. Louis Battlehawks, and the Vegas Vipers. Changes. The Houston Roughnecks remain the same. St. Louis Battlehawks remain the same. The Renegades are now branded as Arlington rather than nearby Dallas. 
The Guardians are based in Orlando rather than New York, which has two football teams. While still in the U.S. capital, the Defenders are now the D.C. Defenders as opposed to the Washington Defenders. Seattle Sea Dragons are now are no longer the Seattle Dragons. The Vipers are now in Vegas instead of Tampa Bay, which already has a team. The Los Angeles Wildcats, no longer a participating franchise. We already got two football teams that <laughs> we don't really support. If you go to an L.A. football game out here, it's it's like... 60 to 70% the other team's fans. It's, it's very, very interesting. Chris, will you be making new theme songs for these XFL teams? Absolutely. And, and I just <laughs> want to say how excited I am for the people of Arlington, Texas, because <laughs> I know, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, ever since the Arlington Bulldogs, uh, are the, the beloved ABA franchise that one time I successfully head coached the team to a loss, uh, 0-1 lifetime record as assistant coach, Really? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I was, I was stacking. Were you a Tarkanian type? Were you chewing on a towel? What was your gimmick as a coach? No, no, no. So, so, so here's, here's how this story goes. I was the stat keeper for this team, right? Coach calls me up and goes, Hey, I can't make it. Can you like be the coach tonight? And I was like, <laughs> what? And all of a sudden I am like the coach tonight. And I have to like call time out. I was getting briefed a little bit on the rules of basketball. Uh, just, just getting, making sure that I knew like all the things that I had to do as a coach. Um, and the guys were all very nice to me and, and helpful throughout the night. And like, we did what we could, but we got completely blown out. Um, you know, like we were just completely outclassed by the other team. Who was the uh, coach? Uh, his name, Coach Evans. Coach well, Evans. Coach Evans. He didn't have a first name. He didn't even. Know I, I don't remember his first name right now. <laughs> I haven't talked to Coach Evans in like, like twelve or thirteen years, man. But I, th- this is the thing. Arlington has been just starved for sports. <laughs> really? For, isn't for, the, yeah. Isn't the yeah. Dallas, Dallas team in there? In Arlington? Or am I thinking? Uh, so, of- no, no you're, no, you're correct. It, it's sort of like saying Boston's not a big college town. Like, like yes, the Jerry, yes, the Jerry yes, Bowl is okay, in Arlington. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you. I, there we go. Don't remember the town. Uh, in AEW, currently going on because we are recording this early in the evening on Friday, and I will have to watch this anyways. Mike Tyson's going to be on commentary, and I don't know why this is a get, Chris. Explain it to me. I, I think it's a get for what will he say on the microphone, but, like, it really begs the question, like, what type of headlines are you guys trying to get with this dude? Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't, I mean, do you want him to, like, get on the microphone and say a word that like we don't say anymore because it's not the 1990s and like he doesn't necessarily mean anything malicious by it but like he doesn't say like you know like pc language because he's mike tyson um and and then we go oh who could have seen that coming i i I just i'm sure this will probably go off fine and without controversy but i i don't know that tyson pops a rating um well, the here, the last time they used him, they were sort of starting an angle with Jericho. So maybe this is like Jericho's hope of like getting that Tyson angle. I don't going. think Jer- that- I don't think Jericho's on commentary. Uh, I think he's re- actually replacing Jericho on commentary. But here's the other thing, and this goes into Lazy River territory. But we have Shibata doing his first match stateside <laughs> since his since he was out injured against Orange Cassidy. On a two-day build, no less, which is just I ridiculous. mean, when you think about who you want to see Katsuyori yeah. Shibata face in his first match back, I, I think it's fairly easy well, to well, say Orange Cassidy, a legendary strong style wrestler. Well, he well, that, this is Shibata. Shibata said he, he had two wrestlers he wanted to face, Orange Cassidy and Brian Danielson. 
So we can't blame. Can't one blame, of those makes sense. Yes, we can't blame Tony for that one. But on your big return slash debut for the Amer- some certain sector of American fans, is Mike Tyson the guy you want on commentary? <laughs> I don't like <laughs> if Shibata. Like, I mean, if Shibata came in and like murdered death someone, Mike Tyson probably yes. would love that. Oh, but like dude, that, that yeah, Mike Tyson would be like, oh. Wrestling rules. That would actually be a really great moment where like Tyson just has this like on air realization that he really enjoys this. Might be going to the lazy river territory as well, but uh, Colt Cabana. We'll talk about that. Was Chris Jericho's secret opponent for the ROH title. This is Dave Meltzer writing Colt Cabana appearing led to even more talk because people saw it as a shot at punk. They're correct. Yeah. Or a vindication of the story that Cabana stopped being used in AEW due to punk. Also correct. Correct. Yeah. Whatever it was, it was Tony Khan's idea. We were told that this was more for the locker room than anything else. We'll take our victory lap. That having Cabana on the show and given a positive spotlight after months of being ostracized for reasons that had nothing to do with him. What? What? Was a dressing room morale booster since he has many friends there. Hold it, Chris. As best we can tell, Cabana was only in for that one match, but is still under contract to ROH, but is no longer ostracized and could be used against some form. Now, here's the interesting part that we didn't know. Cabana was originally hired by AEW as an agent before he started wrestling and had been doing so for Dark and Dark Elevation while being part of the Dark Order. He did that until leaving for Australia for a role in the TV series Young Rock. When he returned, he was no longer used as an agent. It was at the same time, Punk got a steel hired as steel had just been fired by WWE in a cost cutting move. After that, he was no longer brought to TV, which is where the rumors of why this took place. Then his contract was to expire, but he was given a new contract for the same money to work in ROH. But aside from the Briscoes who aren't allowed by TNT and TBS because of Jay's tweets years ago about homosexuals, Cabana was the only guy under contract to ROH that wasn't brought at times to dynamite until this week. Floor is yours. I'll talk more about this after. Hey, look, uh, it it is what it is. I, I almost don't. It, on one hand, I almost don't have a lot to say. But obviously, this is a radio show, so I've got to opine on some level, right? Well, I can do it if you want. No, you no. I <laughs> I, I, I have thoughts. I'm capable of having okay, thoughts okay, here. Okay, I, I just okay. I feel like the feel like the story so much of it just speaks for itself, right? Like like it it is a vindication of what we said on prior episodes. Like so much of this fight was really over the mistreatment of Colt Cabana as perceived by the elite and friends of the elites, and. I think it's very obvious that like the initial point of acrimony uh, between punk and all those guys uh, really does start with this idea that those guys can't understand why CM Punk would honestly and truly and rightly not like Colt Cabana for what Colt Cabana did to him. And like, you don't, that doesn't mean you have to stop being friends with a guy, but like at least acknowledge that like, Yes, these two guys don't like each other. Colt's my friend now, but Colt's also done some bad things in the past. And like, this is, this is the price for bad stuff done. And I, I think what was, what was CM Punk supposed to do in this situation? Like swallow all of the lawsuit related animus? I mean, like these guys, these guys got pretty bitter with one another. 
and yeah, just like and, go in and act like everything's fine because everyone there never has been royally screwed over by Colt Cabana. To your point, though, the the point of Cabana doing bad things is a is subjective to a lot of people because a lot of people view Punk as in the wrong for not completely taking care of Punk or taking care of Colt the entire time for the lawsuit, despite the fact that Colt made have wanted to settle, et cetera, et cetera. So he was always the bad guy in that situation. So, um, yeah, I want to talk, if you don't mind, I, I want to move to a different point of view on this whole thing. Okay, sure. I don't like the move. I I have a lot of friends in wrestling media. Uh, Joe Lanza, uh, Mike Gilbert. Who, of, who's of, Joe Lanza? Uh, some guy. Okay. Uh <laughs> Mike Gilbert of Brace for Impact over on Fight Game. Um, others who love the petty. They love the petty in wrestling. They think it's it's a great move, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm pretty sure Jericho was the one in Khan's ear about, wouldn't this be great in Baltimore, the home of Ring of Honor, to bring Colt Cabana back? I'm just going to put it this way. Um, Tony cried a lot about the uh, WWE... Uh, asking about contract status and stuff like that. I'm saying if if you don't want the thunder <laughs> coming back at you, you don't pull stuff like this. If I'm CM Punk and I'm, I see this on TV and I start throwing Pepsis and muffins all over the place. I play hardball with Tony on the contract negotiations. I say, you either give me an outright release with no, uh, with no restrictions or you pay me for the entirety of the contract. And if punk gets released, he's making a deal to jump because they're going to want that on WWE television. Because, Absolutely. Because now, and, and now you got a motivated punk. That's what I was thinking too. The, the, the biggest mistake about this is twofold. Well, I guess there's three levels. One, Cole is not that good. Like, Let's just cut to the chase. He's 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 better in this match than than I've seen in other yes, matches because there was yes. no comedy. <laughs> I, 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 I will grant that better in this match than other matches. He this was a motivated Cole Cabana and even a motivated Cole Cabana is just he's okay. Um, so so there's that level of it too. You're doing all these things to upset Phil Brooks while you still have not finished financial negotiations with Phil Brooks. That's stupid. And like three, now you are motivating this guy to want to get back at you like the guy's always been motivated by revenge he he gets over past animuses with bigger animuses yeah so yeah like, like th this is very stupid because a motivated cm punk will be give, like if wwe is interested the, they will come to terms where he's given like pretty open reign to talk Maybe I, I I have I have one scenario where he won. If he just views this and goes, you know what? I am so tired of everybody in this entire stupid business. Right. This could be I'm... full checkout mode. This could yes. be full checkout mode. But I could also see him being. I, I think that he might have been very close to full checkout mode. But these are the types of things that push someone from full checkout mode to, you know what? Screw all these guys. Yeah. They all think I'm washed, and like they're all dickheads, and they're all taking their victory lap, and. I'm going to throw this back in their faces. Do not live by rules that you yourself do not want to live by. That that's that's a golden rule in politics, 
in just basic business in everything. Do not go out there and do things that you don't want done back to you. And I just, I just think as the number two company, which AEW is right now, burning a bridge like that also sends a bit of a message to people. And I, I get that the locker room has never been more united because Cole Cabana's back. Yeah, I get that, but I, then then one but, other angle on this. This really shows who's driving the car. Is it Tony Khan or the locker room? Oh, it's the locker room. Right. No, I, I know. It was a rhetorical question. And I, like, okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. It, it, that's what I'm saying. It really shows who's driving the car here. And yeah. It's not Tony Khan. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of a couple of short hits. Not all of it good news, but uh, uh, Tommaso Ciampa had successful hip surgery. Carmella revealing on Instagram this week that she has, suffered an ectopic ectopic, ectopic. thank yeah. you god I, I can say that i just can't read it pregnancy and previously had a miscarriage in september as well and also new champion watch alexa bliss and oscar are now your wwe women's tag champions after beating damage control of dakota kai and eo sky any of these those things uh you want to talk touch upon yeah i i think the story with Carmella is very, very, very tragic. And yes. what was extraordinarily disheartening, although sadly par for the course and exactly what I've come to expect from the community, which sucks to say, but it really is. People going in and saying just horrible things to Carmella about this. Oh, uh, because, because she's a homewrecker? Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 or alleged uh, homewrecker. I'm sorry, that. Kind yes, of stuff. It, like yeah. any any number. Like, yes, any number of people tap dancing on this, and I, I I think that like that makes you the scum of the earth. Um, and if yeah. you're listening to the show and you did something like that, I hope you really internalize that and take it with you all. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the internet was a poor idea. I yeah, no, and, and then I uh, what was what was the third headline there? Uh, uh, I had ch- oh the, the damage one. control, damage control getting completely neutered. Um, yeah, what is the point of this faction? I don't know unless they're all gonna win or it's or it's for for all the marbles at war games, but it just I I they're they're having a rematch at, at uh, Crown Jewel tomorrow morning. Uh, <laughs> I don't see the point. I I really don't unless it's. Unless damage control is standing atop, and the big the big news coming out of there is they're gonna switch all the women's titles in Saudi Arabia, which I could see as kind of a move they might do. A big women moment in Saudi Arabia as yes. symbolism. Yes, I think I think that. God, I don't understand why they would. Why would they tempt fate like that? But they they might. Um. Yeah. I. I this whole thing is confusing. Do we want to do a crown jewel preview or do we just want to do lazy river stuff? And maybe there's no, let's do a crown jewel preview. Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Lazy river. Anything we watched past or present can come up right now, but usually we start at the beach when there's a premium live event, dip our toes in the water and do a preview of said thing. Eight matches from Saudi Arabia crown jewel. Hopefully the Iranians don't do anything during this card as has been rumored. This thing was almost scrapped completely. And in fact, there was a couple of people who tried to pull a prank by saying it was scrapped and was going to be in Orlando. It is not. It is in Saudi Arabia and there are heightened security protocols there. Starting with the tag match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship, Alexa Bliss and Asuka, your new champs, taking on damage control of Dakota Kai and Sky. Um... I do kind of think this might be a switcheroo where Dakota Kai and 
Io Sky get the titles back just to say that they have big title changes at Crown Jewel. I could see them giving the belts to all the heels and in two weeks having those belts on the line in war games. So I agree with you. Tag match for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship in a match that might slap the Usos, Jay and Jimmy, taking on the brawling brutes of Ridge Holland and Butch. Oh, I'm looking forward to this match, actually. And I think the Usos retain, but I just think it's going to be a really fun match. Last Woman Standing, a very interesting match choice for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Bianca Belair taking on Bailey. We're gonna go with Bailey, I think. I think we're both. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Bailey on this too. Yeah, I, I think the most likely thing is they the Damage Control wins all these titles, but in the most like dubious ways possible. Like they they finally just go into full heel. We're cheating all the time mode. In what is going to be an absolute car crash, but this crowd might eat it alive. Braun Strowman against Omos in a singles match. Ooh, this is I, tough. I think Braun wins this. But... Yeah, I think Braun wins this, but it's it's not conclusive. I don't think like Braun does the running power slam to finish off Omos. I think he's going to have to put his working boots on, too, to fly for almost. That's going to be the interesting part. Here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we might have to get high-flying Strowman again, which he's done in the past. That's yes. actually better at it than you might think. But, uh, yeah, I think we might have to get some of that because it is not going to be Omos being the unit of movement in that uh, matchup. Steel cage match. Drew McIntyre versus Fallen Prey carrying cross with Scarlet. Uh, I still don't know who they're building in this, to be honest with you. I don't know either. I, I, I'm going to go cross, but I, I just, I, I have no strong ideas here. Uh, they can't do anything supernatural because that would be against Saudi law. So that'd be interesting. Uh, like they couldn't, they couldn't even like do like, they were around there for Halloween. They couldn't do costumes and stuff. So I think I'm going to go the other way. I think they're going to give this to Drew McIntyre. Okay, okay, and Cross has to come out in the most boring, yes. plain Jane, like yes. all black. Yeah, Scarlet might not even be out there with him. Uh, uh, that's true. <laughs> God, can you imagine an international incident because they forgot that Scarlet can't, you know, wear lingerie to the ring? That would be uh Right, yeah, and also, what is the point of a fully clothed up uh, Scarlet? Very uh, true. Yeah, yes. I, I, I'm just, what, what is the point of this character? And what is an interesting match? And you have to give him credit. Brock Lesnar against Bobby Lashley. Hoss fight, baby. I am here for this. Uh, I, I think uh, Senor Brock is going over, though. Yeah, hey, I think Brock goes over. I am actually kind of into this, too. Uh, I, I think that this will, this will deliver what you sort of wanted, although knew better than to think that Omos and Braun Strowman would deliver. Yeah. Uh, the OC of AJ Styles, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, who you might recall had to give depositions on the last time they had went to Saudi Arabia versus Judgment Day of Finn Balor, Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio with Rhea Ripley. Does the female whoever OC is getting appear in this or does Rhea Ripley hit Gallows in the balls again to win? I'm thinking maybe the female appears. I think you're correct. I think it's going to be Nikki Cross. Just oh, Nikki's Nikki's aligned with AJ and the bull. Uh, that would make sense with the color scheme. Maybe, yeah. I I don't know that for a fact. There have been a lot of names that have been bandied about, but I think it's probably. I think one of the reasons why they've been putting Nikki Cross as reborn out here is to put her with the OC. 
And then finally, in what is also a very interesting match for different reasons, Roman Reigns with the bloodline. Except just Sami Zayn, who does not go to the Middle East for obvious reasons. Versus Logan Paul with Jake Paul for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. I think at the end of the night, we're going to be praising Logan Paul again. Yup. I think so too. I, I think like this him is as a wrestler. Be, I'm sorry to say that, kid. This I know is going to be a good wrestling match with good skit narrative stuff in he's it. A I, I tend dirt to think bag, it. But he can wrestle. He has the ups. He's good at this. I won't be surprised to see Jake Paul if he's well. No, Jake Paul won't because he's still got boxing money to make, so he won't do anything. But Logan Paul is going to fly for your boy Roman. And he's gonna make Roman look like a million bucks in defeat. Yeah, I, I I think like there's that, and I just think like they're almost like perfectly matched in terms of their slightly gray status. Like they always try to present Logan Paul as a babyface, but it never takes. Right. And Roman Reigns has moved way past like hated heel to now like we all love this like bad character because he's fun and he's funny. That'll do it for Crown Jewel, and it makes for a perfect segue into the Lazy River. And I wish to go first, because I have been waiting now for seven days to talk about this SmackDown segment from FS1, which was very little watched because, well, it was watched on the internet, but FS1 was running SmackDown. This piece of business with Sammy and the Usos was absolutely fantastic. Possibly my favorite wrestling segment promo of the year. Yes. Um... And the goofiness of the latter half of it is absolutely earned through the seriousness of the first part of it. Roman Reigns, for those of you who don't watch the Fed, and there's a lot of you. So the, so the bloodline comes out and, and basically Jimmy and, uh, or no, Jay and, and Sami Zayn have not been getting along. Roman Reigns is telling them to fix it. So Sammy's like, all right, I surrender. Best, best way to end an argument is a surrender. He says, okay, fine. I apologize. Whatever I did wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Jay is having absolutely none of this. He says, get out of my face. I hate your hair. I hate your face. I hate that stupid shirt. Blah, blah, blah. And, and, and of course, Sammy. Chesty, and that, of course, reference back to another great uh, segment in the bloodline here when they gave him the shirt. That, was another, him the shirt. that yeah. was another very good one. Sammy, of course, is just merely, I mean, he's... Just the most innocent waif right now. Going, I am just trying to make peace. I don't know what your problem is with me, Jay. The, the the tribal chief says we have to make peace. And Jay, deep in anger, goes, I don't give a damn what the tribal chief has to say. And Roman, this gets his attention real quick. No, It's great, though, because it, there, there's this dead. The, that is played so perfectly. There's the dead stop. The crowd is completely into all of the yes. dialogue on this, and that's really important because they all do the oh, sh you know, yeah, like, yeah you, you hear it in the crowd, yes. and Roman's back is turned to them, but we can see Roman's face. Well, you can see Jay's face too when he said it. He realizes, yep. oh, yep. and, and, and uh. Paul and Sammy are just kind of looking at each other, going, oh, man, here we go. Hero Sammy saves the day by saying, look, Jay just hasn't been himself. He's going through a lot right now. He hasn't been feeling oozy. Very oozy. He has very not been oozy. feeling very oozy. Yeah. Now, now, a little bit of help from Urban Dictionary. Um, <laughs> apparently, according to the internet, so it may not be true, is that oozy 
is also slang for the female genitalia in Samoan. So part of what might have been, been breaking up these guys is the fact that they got an entire entire arena to get past standards and practices to start chanting a naughty word, which is great. But this is the point where this becomes one of the greatest improv scenes slash sketch comedy things I have seen in a long time. And I'm going to break it down. Why right here now, Jay's trying to prep himself for all this. And Jay is struggling. Being a straight man is hard when you're dealing with very, very funny people. And I talk on here a lot about corpsing and how, look, in most situations, in 99% of the situations you, you get, maybe 90, a little bit less, corpsing is a sign that you're not focused. It's a sign that you're, you're, you're listening too much as a fan. You're not focused as an actor. You're not playing your role. That said, when you get a guy who's very serious and a very good straight man, and you get him to start cracking, it is also a sign of affection to see how far you can make this guy break. And Sammy and Roman are showing no mercy to Jay. This entire, Jimmy's cracking up in the background. I think so yes, yes. Crack, cracked a thing too. But Jay is, as, as, as the tweet I retweeted said, he is hanging on for dear life and Sammy's not helping. Sammy. Jacob and Roman goes he lays it on they both Roman, lay it on so Roman, thick Roman comes in first and goes is that it you're not feeling and he takes this pause which which is just killing Jay right a oozy and Jay is starting to struggle and he's covering his mouth and Sammy says something that's not caught on Mike and I don't know what it is but Jay kind of turns her head and goes oh I hate you so much kind of thing right there which is giving both of them the signal to go even harder into it. And so Roman, Roman is now emphasizing every word where it's like, oh, you know what we're going to do here? <laughs> we're going to make him Sammy Uso. <laughs> we're going to take away the honorary, blah, blah. Sammy Uso, just, just the way he delivers that is killing Jay. And he's trying not to laugh. And then Sammy just gets the most wide-eyed puppy dog. I'm going to be an Uso daddy. We're going home. You're going to be my real I'm going to be a real boy. I'm going to be a real boy. <laughs> oh, my God. This is such a great piece of comedy and promo. Roman's here. facials are so great, too. Oh. Like he, he has that you put pineapple on pizza face, and it's so funny when he deploys it. Well, he also has the delivery of I am completely in control of this entire situation, even though I've, I've, I've allegedly given control to Jay and Sammy to work things out. I'm the one pulling the strings here and I will be the one laying down the law eventually. But my God, I watched this thing about 50 times during the week and it never got old. No, I, I must've watched it like eight or 10 times. And it was funny every single time I watched it. Like there were different things that I could focus on in each repeat watch that were new and funny things to take in. Yes. Like it, th this was, it was a really great scene. And like, like I, I mean, I think Jay did a really great job all the way up to, you know, I don't give a damn about the tribal chief. And then like, yeah, he had to just hang on for dear life from there because like between Sammy and Roman, like, yeah, dude, you'd be dying a thousand deaths trying to stay angry at these guys as they're being funny as hell. 
I'm also going to give credit to a very well-written segment. I don't know how you felt about this, but I really liked on Raw the 60 Minutes parody with Byron Saxton. Was it a great segment? Uh, debatable, but it was something different. Yes. And and Byron played it absolutely straight without winking and nodding at all. He was he was Mike <laughs> Wallace slash Ed Bradley here. And and the entire just the taking the, what makes things funny in wrestling is taking an absurd premise and playing it straight. And the entire story of Dexter Loomis here being played straight as an investigative matter. I really enjoyed it, Chris. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I think it. I don't know how you stick the landing on this because it makes you really go like, well, then what does that really say about Dexter Loomis? Yes. Like the whole reason he's mad at Miz is that he hasn't been getting paid. <laughs> yes, there are holes in this. Don't get me wrong. And I don't want to see this every week. But as a piece of wrestling television to get guys over. It's a different approach. Versus an in-ring segment or a, you know, video music video or whatever. This is a different approach. I thought I thought it was a noble effort. And I want to give the Fed some credit over that because I'm about to trash some NXT I, stuff. I'll go, I'll go a different route of unlike credit giving. I kind of like the integrated uh, faction group thingy. Like, you know, like, like you, you now have a thing. Yeah. Like, like they're a faction. Yeah. You have like one woman, and, but she's like a wrestler, but in, in with the faction as well. I like that. I like that a lot. I think they're towing a dangerous line with Rhea being able to beat up men. Cause yes. you know, they don't uh, that, do... that I, yeah, right. You don't want to do comeuppance. And that's, I think the one danger. Yes. And that, yeah, I, I, I don't like that aspect of it, but I do like women being full. I mean, that was what we were suggesting for like the pinnacle was to bring in Jade as a member of the pinnacle and, and to get that over that way, because yeah, in AEW, they're not really members of, of stables in there. They have their own separate, they have Plessy versus Ferguson stables. They're separate, but equal. Um, they, they, you know, all the women go, join in groups, but they don't get to really join with the men all that much with the exception of like the JAS now. And formerly, I, who was Anna with? Oh, the Dark Order, I guess. You know, the geek stables you can you can put them in with, but but not as like main event. Like like, there's no female in the Blackpool Combat Club, even though you do have a couple of decent options, and I think both Serena Deeb and also if, when she comes back, Layla Hirsch. But yeah, it, it's it's an interesting thing that they're doing. I hope it doesn't. I'm not a fan of intergender. I know a lot of other people are. Your mileage may vary. I hope it doesn't lead to that. Let's put it that way. But yeah, China, that, that, but chi- but they also are trying to do the China thing with with uh, Rhea right now. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm just saying I like it for characterization because yes. like I don't know I think this whole idea that men and women could be friends is a neat idea, uh, worth trying. Uh, I talked for a long time. You can go again. Um. Okay. Uh, trying to think on what else happened on Raw that I thought was worth noting on. Okay. Here, here's something to talk about. Our poor dude, our truth, uh, taking that horrible, horrible bump on yeah. NXT this week. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that was that was rough to see, man. He was in a match with Grayson Waller. He decides to go over the uh, go over the top, basically for like a uh, somersault kind of like plancha to the outside, and just smacks the ground. No, yeah. Waller is not Waller is not there because Truth comes up short. He just doesn't get any clearance off of this. Yeah, it's like, think, when he, he didn't let go foot. of the rope. Yeah. yeah, when he planted the foot, I think it it that was where it. Uh, I think it's a torn quad. 
sorry, torn quad or an ACL. They haven't really yeah. announced it yet, but yeah, uh, he is 45 years old or no, I think he's 50. I think he's, he's older than I am. My God. Uh, and he's doing that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, his athleticism is just incri- it's, it's incredible. It's all it's no, and there have been other times that we've seen him over the last several years here, um, well into his forties, where he is, you know, done like you know splits and his just his vertical and his movement and stuff is still so good. Um, I, I think that's the last bump we see from him, though. I think he'll be brought back as a personality, but I think yeah. as a full time guy, I think, dude, he has outkicked his coverage on this run. If he's yeah. making bank on this thing, he's been there for what 10, 15 years now. <laughs> uh, and our yeah. truth can be a really great host personality type. Yes. Or even a manager if they ever wanted to do that kind of thing with him again. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to put over. <laughs> I know that they hired Jeff Jarrett this week. But if you want to hire somebody perhaps to run your promo class, Rick Ross is just awesome. <laughs> during this entire Keith Lee uh, Swerve Strickland thing, Rick Ross absolutely stole it from these two guys with <laughs> the accusations, false accusations. Was he was he cutting off uh, Keith Lee a little bit? Yes. Was he having it up? Definitely. Was he better than most of the managers slash people who talk in AEW? Absolutely. Absolutely adored this segment for the for the for, for what it was. And I, I'm on a low bar here because it's a celebrity, but it was still, it's the thing that popped me the most on this show in a show that had, to me, it had a weak outline, Chris. And I'll explain that after, if you have any thoughts on Rick Ross. I don't have any thoughts on Rick Ross, but no, I I, I kind of feel you. I, I the, the show, the only way I, I, we were talking about before the show, the, the only way that this show really makes sense to me as like a thematic thing is this is the stuff that Tony Khan wants to see on television, but it didn't feel like a, a show coherent with a brand. Well, uh, well, that's kind of, okay. So we start off, we have the match with, um, oh, <laughs> how did we start? Uh, we have Darby Allen versus yes. Jay Lethal. Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal. We get the Jeff Jarrett debut. Big enough news for one show to be memorable. Okay, great. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You're going to bury the lead that they revealed uh, Colt Carter. Cole, Cole Carter. Carter. Oh, Cole my. Carter. There, there were crickets who weren't even speaking at that Are moment. Are you kidding the- me? That was white hot. What I saw on television was a crowd in stunned silence. I'm going to give credit to J.D. Oliva of Fight Game Media who came up with this joke, and I think it's actually true. I think the whole reason Cole Carter was the reveal on that was the whole joke about uh, Mike Graham saying that Jeff Jarrett never drew a dime in this industry. And instead he's now drawn two dimes. I think that's the only reason Cole Carter was underneath the sting outfit was for a joke that only the boys in the back would have gotten. Wow. Wow. But we we go from the Jarrett reveal, which is great, but then we have a title eliminator for your AEW world title. And then we have an ROH world title match with Cole Cabana. And then we have the day we have the read we have the uh, All Atlantic title match with Shibata coming out. So we already have four newsworthy the things on this show. And your world champion is out during the first hour. Your Ring of Honor champ is out 
towards the beginning of the second hour. And we end the show with an ROH TV title match. Are you kidding me? I like, look, I like Samoa Joe. And I like, uh, I don't really like Brian Cage all that much. But <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't like Brian Cage. Now that I think about it. But, I mean, and this crowd could not have given a damn about this TV title match because you've already given them the good stuff. I mean, this is just a bad, if you put this show on paper and then you had the Nyla Rose, Marina Shafir, Jade Cargo, whatever the hell that thing was, you needed you had the segments but it's like you just shuffled the deck and put them in whatever order they came up in versus a coherent plan i just i did not understand as a television show this was weak sauce and i was enjoying the show for the first hour until i realized this is actually a bad show yeah yeah it's like if you put on an album with maybe that songs that like individually might be good on different albums but like as a pulled together album it doesn't make sense that's kind of yeah, it's like making going a mix mixtape of like dance songs and then your last song is this downer yeah i mean <laughs> but like okay there were other things that for me were dead like daddy ass's birthday bash was oh i enjoyed that really i i, 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 I okay i guess I guess it's just that, like, I think that the Swerve and Billy Gunn segment last week was not, like, this charming or super Oh, it was terrible. That I was thought it was terrible. terrible. I thought it was trash. But, I, the, but, but apparently the, that's divisive. Some people love that, whereas I just thought that that was unfunny trash. Uh, the thing I didn't like in the birthday bash was the insider referencing to both the uh, reverse battle royal and then, like, the st- the DX reunion and things like that. But I did think Well, these that- are good jokes because they get explained, as all good jokes do. <laughs> but Max Caster being a babyface promo and Anthony Bowen's improvement on the stick were great. And I thought the Ass Boys and, and W. Morrissey's beatdown was pretty darn good, too. <clears throat> so, I mean, it was Memphis-esque by way of Stamford very much but I, I didn't mind it all that much to be honest with you i i don't know i just think it's a little like it's a little thin like all they've got is scissor i got you it feels i like. got you yeah but it's gonna make them money it's i make no, them a i like them and like no, i'm not disagreeing with you that caster and bowens are improved i mean we've, we've always been very high on the acclaim and i've always been very high in particular on, on caster uh like i i, oh, I just think yes I've okay. said this before. Yeah, I thought, I thought we were high on Bowens. <laughs> no, no, I was, I was, I was high on Caster. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I've always thought he's like, it, I, he has like a certain charisma. It's like it's just, it's palpable. Some people like kind of like pop off the screen. I feel like he does that, and Bowens does too in his own way. But like Caster can carry segments, and like we're definitely seeing more of that. Um, you know, I, 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 I still just kind of like the feud is weird with like them and FTR. Like, I, and yes. I, how that match will play out to me is weird, too. I think we're getting a four-way at the pay-per-view. Mm. Which is going to be a mess. Um, I, I would now like to give you an open letter to all wrestling companies. I am tired of the creepy gimmicks. We've had enough of these. Just give me people who like to fight and talk crap. That's all I want right now. I want tough guys. I am tired of poets in the nxt parking lot i am tired of whatever the hell this uh this malachi black thing is Ma- the, the Bray malachi Wyatt thing. Black thing uncle Bray howdy Wyatt. stinks i'm sorry uncle howdy stinks donovan J- diva die whatever i call him die jack but t-bar whatever the hell he's doing right now with his poetry and the burning mask and stuff like that 
I'm tired of this. This doesn't make the guys edgy. Okay. We, the undertaker was over and he was supernatural. Great. We don't need another undertaker. We don't need I know a lot of people love the Batman. The Riddler character wasn't all that interesting to me. God tell you. I just Oh really? Oh. Okay. Did not, did not wow. Like wow. We're splitting the show right here. I didn't I didn't realize you were coming in on my boy, the Riddler. Okay. okay. All right. Well, you know, the, the Joker in the Dark Knight, Heath Ledger did a great job of it. Don't need a second one. Oh, I wasn't saying the Riddler in the movie. I guess I was saying Riddler probably as a character. Yeah, but, no, the Riddler yeah. in the movie, the uh the the Royal Dano or Paul Dano or whichever. Paul Dano. Dano no, 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 no. Less less interesting. Yeah, no, he was not interesting at all, and it seems like half the characters in wrestling are now trying to be that. I'm tired. I mean, of that. especially when like the promos read like James he- James Hetfield lyrics. Like, yes. like I, 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 the thing with the Undertaker that made him cool is that like mostly it was all vibes. He doesn't talk a lot. Like his promos are all about mood, and he says like about you know maybe fifty to seventy five words grand total, and that's it where but they're almost always you know they're like i don't know like even when he's like you will rest in peace or whatever it's, it's we're here not... to cause havoc and then you never cause havoc that's all these yeah and, and like yes uh that script or whatever that guy like Scripts, you, you, yes you run... yes I, I i find him to be eminently cheesy yeah it's like i'm vandalizing the building that i work at wow cool dude <laughs> i'm crapping where i eat aren't i edgy um yeah <laughs> Take that, uh, Mr. Manager. I have two points about NXT, and then I am done with my list, so I will give one of them now. Pretty deadly or pretty fantastic. That that entire promo segment at the beginning of NXT this week, saved by the pretty deadly guys. Yes, but I, I actually thought that Breaker and Wesley, for their part, are coming in on yes. to their own a little bit personality. And the match but... was great and the match was great, especially uh oh El- Elton versus Braun Breaker, those parts. Of yes, the, I really, yeah, I, I really like, I really like Elton. Um, yes. I, 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 he, he does a nice job, like, you know, being like actually like aggressive and then, you know, every begging off, like, it's, I, I it's believe a really is, happy medium. I believe he is the Lance Storm trainee of the two, which also puts him high on the list because <clears> all Lance's trainees, know how to do their stuff let's put it that way <laughs> yeah yeah and now that now you bring it up there's like he's not tyler breeze but there's certain like qualities that like tyler breeze and him share that i think are, are byproducts of the storm education yeah definitely and uh uh the, the bad look you, you all know that i that as, as an, a perverse pleasure i love me the kiana james character her and her buxom brazilian secretary living in the porn world that doesn't have any porn in it. But this Thea Hale match was terrible in terms of logic and work. Yeah. The yeah, high the, ri- the high wrist lock forever was terrible. So we have the match. <laughs> we have all the crappy interference by Duke Hudson trying to uh you know warm himself up to chase. He gets thrown out, and then they just hit the finisher again and pin her. I just went, what? And then okay. and then Duke comes back for the save. Yes, just ridiculous. No, just, that, that that was a very bad segment. That was a very uh, bad, yeah, segment. A very very bad segment across uh, that, the board. There. That's the crux of my notes. If there's something in AEW wanted to talk about, because we covered a lot of that in the news section. Oh uh, yeah, no, I, I guess the only thing that uh, the only other headline for me from NXT is it looks like we're maybe turning Zoe Stark heel, and that actually has some intrigue to me. Yeah, I. 
it, it does to me, but not now. And it's very weird because I don't think they ever got to the pinnacle of what Zoe Stark could be as a baby face. I agree. I agree. Um, like they should have had her beat Mandy Rose. That would be interesting. When, when, yeah. when they fought at the takeover or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would have been good. And, and then have her turn heel during the title reign would actually have been. Yeah. Eventually, you know, yeah, when, when like yeah. Nikita Lyons comes after the title or whatever, or maybe they put this in their back pocket and she does. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do because Mandy Rose, uh, she's not much of a champion to me. She's a presence. I like I her. I think she's I, very good on the microphone now. Well, once you hear her delivery, it, it kind of becomes repetitive. But at the same time, I don't think she she's said Her delivery is kind of repetitive, but like she's actually, yes. there's more content there yes. than I think you might realize at first blush. I, I, I've... She's won me over. I was not a Mandy Rose fan. Um, it's and- not that I'm not a Mandy Rose fan. It's 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 she's she's kind of she's gotten her fill as champion, but now she's far too powerful to beat for some reason. And that's what yeah. I don't like. It's like her power does not belie her in ring talent. And it's not that she's bad. It's that she's a little bit of the honky tonk man. I won't go that far. That's a bit insulting, to be honest with you. No, you know, I, I, I'm i kind of with you here, though. Like, the whole thing with Toxic Attraction, I think, needs to be really clever ways for Rose to win the title. Like, every single yes. time they have, like, a de- really brilliant, devious scheme. And, like, yeah, they're going to win with a devious scheme. But, I mean, I, I think that really should be the thing for that faction for Mandy Rose. Like, you know, yeah, she she's not a formidable credible wrestling sort of champion she is a brilliant and devious champion with jc jane and Gigi dolan and and that's the thing with the characterization i feel like they've been missing along the way here i'll reiterate this again then since i don't have many notes left shibata comes back and you're only gonna give two days notice for a build I, i i don't understand this i i understand that you put it best he's doing shows for tony khan and i get that and i get that the hardcore fan base might show up for this for rampage but not a lot do i i just feel like this is something that should be like two or three weeks worth of build and i don't i don't get it i i got one other thing too uh i i the back to the future with the being the elite uh i <laughs> I, like the the problem, like watching Dynamite this week b- between the Jericho stuff and the Buck stuff, and then the formatting of the show. I'm just like, there's a lot of self indulgence on this show, which I was extremely critical of in the late McMahon era, um, not all that long ago. And I, I just, when you see, uh, I mean, like, m- remember the weirdly self indulgent Vince segments? Like, this is the 1074th episode of SmackDown. The longest running episodic <laughs> dramatic television show in history. Give me an effing break. Yeah, I, I just like, there's a lot of self indulgence on this show. And, like, whether or not you like the people who are being self indulgent, and I get that some people like the people being self indulgent, and others, hi, don't necessarily care for them as much. I still think, in either case, even if you like the people who are being self indulgent, you gotta concede that it just makes for a weaker show when the show is really at the the tender mercies of ego and self indulgence, rather than what is best for this product on screen and thus best for our business and then thusly best for everyone on net. Yeah, that's all I have for this week, you. That's it. 
Just shake them around. You can find me on the Twitter still at Crap Game 13. You can find Chris at DWATG. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network available on all your favorite pod catching devices, obviously. But you know what? If you only like us, you can just download that show. We have our own separate feed as well. I am on Wednesday nights, about 10 minutes after Dynamite ends. I record. The Dynamite Show with one Paul Ace Fontaine over at Fight Game Media for five bucks a month. You can listen to all the shows over there. If you don't have enough wrestling podcasts to listen to, patreon.com slash fight game media. That usually drops about an hour, hour and a half after uh, after Dynamite ends on your podcatchers, but it's just in time for your Thursday morning listening, should you choose to do it that way. Chris also has things to plug. He's going to do that now. Yeah, I mean, really the best way to find me these days is by going to Instagram.com. My handle over there is Dr. Uh, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore Nove. You can see what I'm up to. Like just today, I was in the studio recording with my band, posted a bunch of stuff on my story there. You can follow all my music going on there. Excited about that stuff. Uh, the Patreon for Don't Worry About the Government is still active, but really what you're going to be getting there over the next couple of months, if you sub up, is the uh, soft and quiet release of my EP. I, just today, I haven't even told Jeff this yet, but I uh, found someone who's going to like produce. Uh, I actually found the guy I want to produce the, the final product here. So that will be coming out imminently. If you're interested in keeping up with that or whenever I drop a Don't Worry About the Government again, which will be on the other side of getting all this stuff out here, go to patreon.com slash DWATG. And we'll see you next week. Hello. Do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. 